So glad you are here today. We're going to continue our series, Faith Walk, as we're talking about what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. One more time. We walk by faith and not by sight. So this is what this whole Faith Walk series is, is teaching us that in order to please God, he requires faith. You'll see all through scripture that God doesn't focus on the people's mistakes, but he does focus on their faith. It was by their faith they were healed. By their faith they received the blessing. By faith they found grace and favor in the Lord's eyes. It was faith, faith, faith that really grows us and is required. If you are a Christ follower today, faith is required for spiritual growth and serving the Lord. How many people like to follow directions, especially driving directions? I'm always second guessing my phone when I type it in for directions because it tells me it's going to take me three and a half hours to get there. I know I can make it at least 315. How many understand what I'm saying? And if I don't know that, it's a challenge and it's all. And so in that, I second guess all, every turn. Is this really the fastest turn? Like there's so many stops. The mileage may be faster, but, you know, I can go this way and I don't have any stop signs. I, I'm always second guessing. Or, you know, when you go in and you got your phone on for directions, you got to stop and use the restroom real fast. And you run in to the restroom at the, at the next convenience store and your phone's yelling at you when it's in the back pocket saying, turn around, turn around, turn around. I don't want to turn around. I'm using the bathroom. It's yelling at me. I'm like, shut up. I don't like following directions. But it's, I know it's one thing. The older I get, and I, especially when I have no clue where I'm going, I better follow exactly the directions I'm being given if I want to end up at the destination I need to be at. It's important. And oftentimes I'm like, where am I going? But I'm like, oh, that's where I'm at, exactly where I needed to be. Write this direction down. When it comes to following God, we got to understand this. Who you are following is more important than where you are going. In life, we want to know where we're going. Where are we going? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You notice who says that? The immature in our car, the adolescents say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And what do the mature say? Sit back and relax. It's going to be a long ride. We're not there yet, but we'll get there. Just quit worrying about where we're going or if we're there yet. But the immature does the opposite. And so if we're going to be spiritually mature people, we got to understand that as long as I'm following God, that he will direct me to where I need to go. Even when I don't understand the path that he's taking me on, and it doesn't make sense to me, I know one thing, he's never left me nor forsaken me. He's never left me out on my own, and he's always gotten me to where I need to go. And so the more I stay close to him and follow him, I know I'm going to be okay, and I will eventually get Get to where he wants me to be, and if truth be known, right now I'm probably exactly where he wants me to be because now he's teaching me how to handle where he's taking me next. 
So it requires faith. Do you have faith on your everyday journey? Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go back. We've been studying this whole chapter of these great hall of fame of faith people there. Today we're going to talk about Abraham. Let's go to our next hero, Abraham. Hebrews 11, 8 says it about Abraham. It was by faith, let's say it together. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Are you kidding me? Abraham left to go to a new land without knowing where he was going. Most of us would say, time out, God. I am not leaving until you tell me where we're headed. God, I'm not going to trust you until you tell me where you're taking me. And God never told Abraham where he was taking him. He said, pack up and leave, and then I will show you where I'm taking you to a new land. It took a lot of faith. It took a lot of faith to believe this. Right now, if you're following God, maybe some of you feel this way. I have no clue where God's taking me. God, I have no clue where the journey is leading me right now this season. You're following God, but you don't understand. God, where are we headed? Truth be known, we're like, God, are you lost? God, do you really know where you're taking me? Because this seems like it's way out of the way of the plans I had. This is not the direction of the vision you've given me. And so what am I doing way over here when I think my life should be way over there, but when you trust the Lord by faith, you understand that God is always taking you where he wants you to be. And sometimes he's got to make us wander around in the desert in circles before he takes us to the promise because he's got to take the old man out of me. He's got to take the old person out of me so I don't ruin the new blessing he has for my life. It, it happens. Am I trusting the Lord? Let's go back now. If Abraham, this is what he did. Let's go back to his story in chapter 12 of Genesis 1 through 3. And God said, Lord, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will. I have it, but I will. Because I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you without contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. It's an amazing story, but I want you to get this. He says, I won't bless you until you leave, and I won't tell you where you're going until you pack up and leave. Let me give this to you. Sometimes... We must leave the comfortable place first and step out and trust God. God asks you to leave your place of comfort, to give up some things in your life. I don't want to give that up. Well, I can't show you something new until you give up something old. 
I can't pour something new until you get rid of the old and allow yourself be pliable so I can pour a new wine into your wineskins. Otherwise, it's going to bust because you're not mature enough to handle what I'm trying to do. You're not ready to handle what I'm trying to do. You're not ready to go where I'm trying to take you. And so all you need to know now is I've asked you to leave A and go to B. And then once you get to B, he'll say, all right, now here's C. And then here's D. Every point of the space, we see that God was taking them step by step along the way. And what I want you to get at is that he didn't leave because he wanted to be famous. He didn't leave because he needed the blessing or riches. He left out of obedience because we see in Scripture, Abraham was already a very famous and wealthy person long before this ever happened. So for him... This is even a bigger sacrifice than some of us. Because when he said pack up and go, it was like, that was a lot of packing. There was a lot of things he was leaving behind. He was trying to take as much with him as possible. But man, he had a, he had a lot of people who worked for him. He had a lot of possessions. He was a very wealthy man. And he had a great reputation. So it wasn't like he was chasing after something he didn't already have. He was simply chasing after God's heart because God said, I want you to go. He said, yes, Lord, I will go. Abraham was used greatly. God took him eventually to Israel and he became the father of Israel. That's why now we call him and Sarah the the father and mother of our faith because out of their lineage, Eventually, we have King David out of their lineage. We eventually have Jesus came out of the, the Savior came out of the nation of Israel. It happened because Abraham was obedient and went to the land that God began to multiply and bless. And now Abraham became the father of faith through his obedience. So what can I learn through Abraham's obedience? The first thing I want you to write down is follow God in uncertainty. You're going to have to follow God sometimes when it doesn't look like it's very clear. You're going to follow God sometimes when it doesn't look like I know where I'm going. You're going to follow some God sometimes when it looks like he don't know where he's going. Like, God, why are you taking me here? But I follow him anyway. When I don't know what to do next, it's okay. God does. When I don't know where he's taking me next, it's okay. God does. The faith life requires a need-to-know basis. I will need to know. I will find out when I need to know. And if I don't know, that means, God, I don't need to know right now. I'm trusting you. See, for those of you who are control freaks, not calling anybody out in the house, I know there's a few here, you got a 10-point plan for every day of your life. You're organized. You want to attack the day and make it, you're, you're organized. You know what you're doing tomorrow and this week and this month. This is really a challenge for you because God says, I want you to trust me. God says, I want you to follow me even when you don't understand where I'm taking you. All I need to know is who I'm following and he will lead me where I need to go. See, God won't show you more until you do the small things he's already asked you to do. God, when are you going to open up more? God, when are you going to show me more? God, when are you going to show me the long-term picture? God, when are you going to show me the big picture? God, when are you going to give me clarity? And God's not going to give you the big picture until you do the small picture first. 
God's not going to open up the big thing until you learn to be faithful in the small things first. It goes right along with Jesus' words that said, he who is faithful in the small will be faithful in the large, and very much. The small comes first. Are you, are you doing step, can you pack up and just do what I asked you to do today? Can you, can you go ahead and leave your comfortable place today, even when you don't know exactly where I'm taking you? Man, that's a lot of faith, but that's what he's wanting from you and I. So I put together a little chart to help you kind of see this and visualize this and make it practical for you. Let's look at one side, we have obey small, and on the other side, we have believe big. Let's say there's six items in our life we're, we're looking at, we want God to do. We got one, we got one, two, and three is on the obey small side. And we're believing God for four, five, and six, these big things, these big answers, this big direction in our life. God, who are we going to marry? God, what's, what's my end time job going to be for long term? God, what am I going to end up when I get done with this? What, what ministry am I going to be leading? All these things we think about, we want answers to. But God is never going to answer four, five, and six until I learn to do steps one, two, and three first. What has he already asked me to do? Am I doing that? Let's be honest. There's where the struggle is. He made it very clear. 400 laws, scrap that. How about two? Love God with everything you got and love people. Can you do those two? Start there, and once you get those two, those two will spring you into the other things you need to be doing. But for many of us, we're struggling with step one and two. How about step three? Uh, Pastor Gene, you prayed, you've preached about it, you've taught about it, you've done a series about it, and you told us we need to be studying at least the verse of the day, one verse a day, meditating on it, reading it, putting it in the heart. But how many of us ignore that and don't even do it? And then we're like, God, I want to see four, five, and six done. God, I want you to reveal this to me. And we won't even do the small things he's asked us now. So I want you to say, what are the small things now that I need to be doing? What are the small things maybe God's asked you to do? Maybe it's simply, I need to start getting involved again. I need to start serving again. I need to start paying my tithes again. I need to start being here early. I need to start doing some things that God's asking me to do that I'm not doing yet. I need to start being kinder to people. I need to start just biting my tongue when I want to say what I feel. It's the small things that God's asking us to do now. And as I do that, then he begins to reveal the bigger picture in my life. And then I can believe what God wants to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, learn to do the small. The obedience is what unlocks the door for God to take you to the big. Abraham made some pretty big mistakes along the way. But he's a champion of faith because of his faith. He made it to the Hall of Fame with all of his great mistakes, and they were big. I'm not going to have to listen to them all, but there's a lot of big mistakes he made on this journey. I mean, things you're like, dude, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind when you did that decision? I mean, some really dumb decisions he made along the way. But God used him greatly, not because of his dumb decisions, but because of his obedience and faith. It was faith that moves God's heart. So what else do I do? I want you to write this down. Follow God with vision. Follow God with vision. I met people of all ages of life who say this very thing. Man, I just blew it. I just blew it. Uh, my time has passed me. But I met people 18 years old. It says, man, I should have took, 
I should have took school bill serious. I should have made better grades. I should have paid attention in class. Man, I blew my opportunity. I met people 25 and 26. Oh, man, I should have went to college when I had a chance and I could have got it paid for. I could have done this. And now I got a family and it's not easy. All these things. I blew my chance. I should have done more when I was given more chance. I met people 30 like, oh, if I could just go back and have that job I had six years ago and I blew it, I didn't show up when I should have showed up. I should have gave a better effort because that job, if I was still working it, I'd have been promoted and doing so much better than what I'm doing now. And we live our life regret from one decade to the next. And all of us, not careful, we can say, you know what? My time has passed me by. I missed out on my opportunity. But let me give you a word of affirmation and encouragement today. If you're not dead yet, God's not done with you yet, right now. If you're breathing, God wants to use you. And God still wants to breathe something new into your life. Follow God with vision. Abraham was 74 when God told him to go. 74. Wasn't a young man. He said, I want you to go. Look up into the stars, Abraham. I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. It's going to be, you're going to have more descendants in the stars in the skies. 74. You know how long it took for God to come back on that word? 24 years later, Abraham's pushing 100. And God says, hey, change your wife's name to Sarah because I'm going to make her a, father, a mother of a great nation. And he starts laughing. God, this whole thing again, it's been 24 years. I've been walking in faith and you're blessing me and I trust you, God, but come on. Quit teasing me. <laughs> I'm 100 years old. Look at Sarah. She's no spring chicken. This ain't going to happen. Abraham laughs to God. A prophet comes to Sarah and says, hey, man, get ready. God's going to give you a son. She laughs. She goes, what? Are you kidding me? She goes, by now, I'm old. She just admits it. I'm old. And she doesn't just say she's old. She goes, I'm worn out. Any moms ever feel that way? I am too tired to have kids. Don't even think about that now. I'm past that age. I don't want any more kids. I don't want anything. Never had kids. Don't want them. I'm too old. I wanted them. But now I've given up on that dream. Look what Abraham about his life in Hebrews 11, 11. I love this verse. It says, it was by faith that when even Sarah was able to have a child, God fulfilled the promise. Though she was barren and was too old, God still did the miracle. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as, let's say it together, who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and sand in the seashore, there is no way to count them all. We ever feel this way? Do you ever feel this way? I'm good as dead. That's what, Abraham was good as dead. They basically, it was, he was already past his prime. And he was long past his prime to the point where he was on the downhill slide. He was as good as dead, and it was there that God used his faith and blessed him with the son and made him the father of many nations, especially the nation of Israel. It was there that God used him. So even if you feel like you're dead this morning, 
If you're breathing, God ain't done with you yet. Amen? You're not done yet. I think of my mother-in-law who passed away last year. Many of you knew her and loved her. And one of the things I really loved about her, even though she was involved in ministry all of her life, as her health began to decline and she lost mobility and she couldn't do a lot, she, many times she couldn't even see. And some of you be talking to her and she'd leave. She goes, now who was that? I couldn't recognize the face. It's, oh, oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I know it was. And she prayed with you and encouraged you here at the church, never took, missed an opportunity to pray for somebody here in the church, encourage them. Many times I'd, I'd be in church and there'd be a whole streamline of people going to her for prayer every morning before church started. And one of the things I really loved was that even when she was in the hospital or in uh, care, medical care, or they're coming to the home to take care of her, she was being to pray and she began to witness and, and invite those medical people who came in to take care of her. She began to tell them about the Lord, tell her about her testimony, invite them to church. They're like, Miss Bonnie, we don't want to go. Well, you need to go to church. You need to come to church. Well, you, it wouldn't hurt you to come to church. I'm not going to see you this Sunday. You know, my son-in-law, he's the pastor and he's pretty good. I think you might like him. She would just go on and on. This house has a lot of people who came to church because she decided to invite people even when she couldn't do anything else. She's like, if I'm still breathing, I can invite people. And God used her greatly to reach many people. My story was I didn't, I didn't want God to use me greatly. I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. That scares me. Them people are weird. I don't want anything to be used to God. That's my honest to God truth. When I was a young boy, people would come along and they start prophesying over me. I'm like, no, that wasn't for me. That was for somebody else. You guys got to, you were a false prophet. Don't be letting those people in the church, pastor. You think I'm kidding. I'm telling the truth. And I would, I would run. And then finally, after I started college, I really felt like God was just saying, Gene, can, can you just give me one semester? One semester, I want you to go to a Christian college and study the Bible. I was like, all right, God, I feel like, you know, just to go and kind of get myself recentered in you. And I was starting to rededicate my life. I'll give you a semester. And so I thought I was going to take a break. It's kind of like my sabbatical from education and go study the word. And one semester led to two semesters. And then next thing I know, I'm in there for a few semesters. I'm like, all right, I can finish here. I can get a degree. But I tell you right now, I will never be a pastor. I'll be a youth pastor, but I'm not going to be a senior pastor. No way. All the senior pastors I knew, I was like, I don't want to be like them. They act weird, dress weird, talk weird. I can't do that. God, look, I can't do that. But God, I, 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 I'll serve. Okay, and I'll be a youth pastor. And I remember doing it for free. When everybody else was chasing after paid positions, I was like, I'll just go do it for free. And I worked for free and served for free. I just did it because that's what God asked me to do. And that led to, to me having greater opportunity. Eventually, I was speaking across the nation at youth camps across the nation. And God was opening up doors. And I began to do a lot of speaking. And then my pastor came to me and said, hey, I'm going to take a sabbatical for seven months. I want you to pastor the church. When are you leaving? In a week? I'm like, uh, I didn't even have a chance to say no. I said, okay, I guess, I guess I'm up. And so I got up. Saying, all right, guys, we're in this together. I'm going to be myself, and I'm all you got for seven months, so please don't leave the church. 
And I began to minister and God began to grow the church and build in me confidence. And then I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Eventually, that's what I was supposed to do. Well, God asked me to plant a church. I had no idea it would go this long. I had no idea it would multiply this big and it has even bigger things ahead for us. I didn't know that, but God knew. And if God had showed me that long in advance, I never would have went. He had to get me to say yes to the small thing. To get me to the next step, to get me to the next step, to get me to the next step. And now I look back and I don't regret one yes I ever said to God. I don't regret one yes I ever said to the Lord. I'm telling you, when you say yes to God and you say yes and obedient, God will take you down a path you never see coming. But if you don't know this, leadership is bleedership. It is going to cause some pain along the way. So if you can't go through a hard struggle and follow God faithfully through the hard struggle, he can't use you to where he's trying to take you because it's not for the weak. It's not for those who are going to quit every time something gets hard. But he's looking for somebody who will build their house on a firm foundation and says, I'm just going to follow God. God, you got this. God, if you're taking me. God, I trust you in every area of my life. And they understand this. See, the struggle... The struggle is real. The struggle is will. Your struggle is what prepares you for the promise. The struggle is what prepares you for the promise. That's what happens. It's a struggle to get to the promised land. It's a struggle for him to leave and get out of his country alive. And, and it was a struggle to get there. He had a lot of family drama. He had a drama with his nephew. He had drama with his, his wife. He had drama with the servant girl that he you was know, sleeping with early because he thought he was trying to get pregnant before God brought the child. I mean, it was everywhere a mess. It was a struggle. But God eventually took him where he needed to be and the rest of the story. Now you know, God brought his lineage all the way through there, through the nation of Israel. So how do I do this, Pastor? I want you to see this. Just because you're in pain this season doesn't mean God has forgotten you. Just because you're in a struggle doesn't mean God has forgotten you. Your vision, your vision is still there. God's giving you a vision. So how do, I, how do I do this next? So ask yourself these three questions. What vision or picture do I see for my future? Do you have a vision? Where do, where do you see your family? Where do you see it in the future? Where do you see it? Then ask yourself this question. Is the vision in line with God's word? Is the vision in line with God's word? Does it line up? Is the vision I have line up with God's word? If you feel like it does, then you got, the, you got a good... Green light there, you're heading in the right spot. And then the last question to ask yourself, do I have a passion for this vision? Do I have a passion? Sometimes we have visions that people put in our mind and people tell us, you got to do this, you got to do this. You're not going to be anything if you don't do this. And that's really not my passion. And God has not put that passion in my heart. And so it's okay to say, you know what? I don't have a passion for that vision. I do have a passion to serve God. I do have a passion of, to follow another leader. I do have passion to do this and to do that, but I don't have to, I don't have to go out and, and have this great picture. I, my picture right now is simply I want to serve. I want to serve God. I want to serve the local church. I want to say yes to what's needed today. And as I say yes, God will lead me to the next step in my life. As we close today, I want to end with this story. 
Have you ever seen the trampeze artist? I love that. If you've ever been to the Circus Soleil or to one of the circuses, the, for me, one of the greatest things are the people in the trampeze that do these high flips and go from one swing to the other swing and people catching them in the middle of the air doing flips. I mean, it's amazing their timing and their skill. I think, how in the world did they ever get that timing down? And I was reading something about this that said that those who are actually letting go and doing the flips and then being caught by the other person, if they mess up their timing, it can throw things off. And so when they let go, if their timing's not right, they can begin to be out of kilter. But if that happens, their training teaches them this, never lose form. Hold your form right and let the catcher adjust to catching you. Because if you panic and try to adjust and they're trying to adjust, you're going to end up probably hurting both of you or you're going to end up missing the catcher. You got to learn to trust your catcher to catch you and you just hold form and say, this person's skilled enough, they're going to adjust and they're going to catch me exactly where I need to be. What a great lesson for us. Now, how many times that we just got to understand God's just calling me to hold form? Just be faithful. Just, just do the right thing. And even when I feel like things are out of whack, my trust is this. God, you're going to catch me exactly when I need to be caught. God, you're going to adjust whatever's going on in my life. You're going to adjust and you're going to catch me even when it feels like you're snagging me out of midfall. And sometimes maybe I have to hit the ground first before you pick me back up because I got to hit rock bottom. But whatever it is, God, you're going to catch me and you're going to adjust my life exactly where it needs to be. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word, which gives us life. I thank you for your word, which is teaching us the faith of Abraham and Sarah. But they went without even knowing. They said yes without even knowing where you were taking them. May that be the faith you're taking us into, God. May we remember to obey in the small. Help me to obey in the small so that you can reveal the large. With your heads bowed, I just simply ask you this question. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, you've never prayed that prayer of asking Jesus to be Lord of your life, we want to make sure you have that chance today. Say, Pastor, I'm ready to accept Jesus. We won't do anything to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you. But if you're ready to give Jesus your heart today and say, I'm ready to serve him, that's where it all starts, right there. That's where the faith journey starts. And do I have faith in God? Do I believe he was the Messiah who died on the cross for my sins, resurrected on the third day? If you never prayed that prayer before, can you just lift your hands? That's me, Pastor. I'm ready to make that decision. Thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Come on, if you haven't raised it yet, raise it right now. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. If you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer after me. As Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son, from this day forward, I will follow you and I will live my life for you in complete surrender in Jesus' name.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say, welcome to the family of God. So glad to do that today.